Hi, and welcome to this month's Dharma Things podcast. Um, again, we've got a nice, juicy subject to get into, which um, hopefully will give you some enlightenment about the world, maybe some guidance about things that you're going through yourself, and maybe just a bit of fun. And um, joining me this month is kind of a friend of mine. I said, that sounds weird saying kind of a friend, but we did actually only meet in life once. Um, and we've stayed in touch online as these things happen. And obviously I moved to a different country. Um, but I would love you to welcome Gary Povey. So hi, how are you, Gary? Hi, uh, thanks for inviting me on this. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, excited to uh, get going and have a bit of a, bit of a chat. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Gary and I met um, a mutual friend of ours who's a personal trainer who will probably come back to his manner and his levels of sarcasm as we talk, the wonderful Ross Ford. Um, And Ross kind of took us on a day trip, didn't he, to visit some gym that had like all that crazy equipment. Yeah, I think you have problems with your knees at the same time as well. Yeah, I was having rehab for my knee operation, yeah. Yeah, and we both tried out that, um, I think they called it an anti-gravity treadmill, which is a very fancy way of saying treadmill that has like a weird support device to help you um, like uh, walk. But yeah, no, no, it, was, it, it was really cool. It was a great opportunity. Um, and it was really good for us to like take us down. But it was uh, yeah. it was cool. Uh, it was a very uh, interesting experience, actually like feeling comfortable walking, which is something I'm not really used to. Yeah, it was a very strange machine. Just to explain to everybody listening, I presume that you all know what a treadmill is, like those things that you get on in the gym and walk. Um, And I couldn't put any pressure on my knees. And Gary is a wheelchair user. So Ross thought it would be a fantastic idea to take us to this place where they had this treadmill. And when you got on it, there was like a sealed unit that went around you and the treadmill. And I'm sure it blew air upwards or something. Yeah. So it kind of suspended you, didn't it? So you ended up wearing this like <laughs> it's gonna sound. It was almost like like a like a like a skirt or like a kilt or something, wasn't it? Remember? Yeah, it was like half that. a spacesuit or something around <laughs> yeah. your bottom half, wasn't it? <laughs> Big, like vacuum sealed, and then kind of just like pushed you up a little bit, so you could take yeah. pressure up. Um, but it was, it was really interesting bit of care. I've never seen anything like it like before or since, really. Yeah, no, me neither. And um, I mean, you, I guess it was the same principles as swimming. They always say that when you're swimming, because your body weight is suspended in the water, you can still do an amount of exercise and burn calories or whatever, but you're not putting the pressure into your body. That was the point of it, wasn't it? Because I couldn't put pressure on my legs and you don't use your legs. So yeah, it was it was very much like that. I think the thing that made it a little bit different was the fact you had a better control of the pressure because, like, sometimes mm. in, in a pool, right? Like, I'll, I'll go uh, to pool sometimes to like practice my walking uh, for that exact reason. It takes a, a lot of the, the pressure off my legs that they can't mm. really support, um, or they they couldn't support for like a, a long period of time anyway. So changing that round and um, like being able to be like, okay, I want to try with. Um, 10% of my body weight or I want to try with 20% of my body weight. It's just, yeah. it, it's really nice to kind of have some control of scale in it rather than yeah. just the height of the pool is what it is. 
and like the water's as high as it is and then that kind of just dictates how much pressure is going to go onto your legs yeah. and you can't really change it yeah because you could adjust it couldn't you the same as you can adjust the speed or the gradient or things like that you could adjust the amount of pressure so you, the idea was that you could slowly get used to putting the weight on your legs but Anyway, we could talk. Yeah, about I was going to say, we're not, this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Once a sales pitch for these machines. Yeah. I must say, add, yeah. this, is, this is not branded content. Um, anyway, yeah, you've already got the gist of, of, of what Carrie's like, basically, is into his fitness and also has some level of disability. But I will hand over to Gary just to explain exactly the position that you're in tell us about you and your condition if you don't what do i do do i say that it's a condition because this yeah, is part of the conversation i mean to be fair i think people put too much stock in the language they use around this stuff i think it, it comes down more to meaning and as long as it's like regardless of what people say as long as it's not meant in like a super offensive way i don't really mind what they call it like condition or disability or anything like that i, I think it more comes down to just where, where they're coming from when they're saying it Mm -hmm. rather than necessarily the the exact like uh, words they're using um so yeah condition anything like that's perfectly fine okay. uh, um yeah so basically uh, i was born with osteogenesis imperfecta which is a very fancy way of saying brittle bones um there's different stages of it i'm really fortunate i've got the mildest form of it um so now getting a little bit older it's not actually as bad as it was when i was a kid um but it still meant that i've broken most things at least once oh my god um, really yeah oh so, wow um my, my right leg um I've, i did some pretty serious damage to that a couple of times so that's like um held together by like a sort of like a metal rod on each side now um both my hips needed to be uh sort of broken and internally rotated and um yeah broken like a number of ribs um pretty much like snapped my left arm around the wrong way uh, and and done done near enough uh, any anything that I could do to uh to smash myself up but it's um the thing about it having having a mild form of the condition is you're sometimes on the same ward as people who have a, a more severe version and I think when you see that it's like you just lose any right to complain about it like I I just don't I couldn't moan about it because like you see people who, if you shake their hand, you're going to break their arm and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like oh, wow. okay. a really hard way. I mean, I met a, a kid once who was like younger than me, but he'd had like, I think it was like 27 surgeries or something like that. Right. Um, and um, yeah, it's just, it, it's like, a, it sounds weird saying I feel lucky to like have have this, but I feel lucky that it's not as bad as like other, other people have to have to suffer with it. And I can still... Do the things I enjoy. I can still be physical, and I can still mm. um, keep a lot of a lot of the, the movement that I've got. The, the issue really is at the moment uh, with a lot of the the surgeries and fractures that I did have. Uh, mainly, it was sustained on the legs, so it's meant that there was quite a lot of, like muscle atrophy, and also uh, a little bit of damage from like surgeries and things like that. Especially regarding like nerves. So certain parts of my right leg have trouble with like. A little bit of like uh, nerve and tissue damage um so it's just kind of trying to find ways around that and build that back up so for the meantime whilst i'm doing that i tend to use the chair when i'm going any kind of distance um but like slowly bit by bit i'm getting a little bit better at being able to like actually walk around 
Um, yeah. So again, I feel pretty lucky that that's the case, that it's not a, a permanent thing and it's something that, even though it's a very slow process and it's very gradual, is kind of getting to a point where I'm regaining more mobility on like almost a sort of monthly basis now. Yeah. So the reason that this, um, because we met and we had to go in Ross's car and you had your amazing little fold-up chair that just went in the boot. Um, and this is a condition that affects all of your bones, not just your lower body, but in you, it's the degree of the operations that seem to have affected your muscles and things in your lower body. Exactly. It was just right. literally where I fractured more. Um, right. It, it wasn't to do with like bones stronger in one place than the other. Um, it was just the fact that I'd fractured my, my, my legs um, a lot more. I mean, the, okay. the first time I can really recall doing any, any serious damage. Um, I fell down the stairs at my nan's house when I was like, like quite, quite young, like probably like about like a toddler or something like that. And um, that did like a real number on my legs. So that was a lot of where it kind of like started. And then it right. just kept being the case that if I was going to fracture something, it'd be my legs. I, I guess part of it is that some of the longest bones in your body. So, you know, maybe a bit more vulnerable if they if they are going to be brittle um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. potentially but it's just um just seems to have been uh yeah look look at the drill i broke my legs more yeah. than anything else yeah and the and the condition um it sounds kind of it sounds a little feeble when you hear brittle bones it sounds like you're just being a delicate lady doesn't it <laughs> brittle bones yeah no of it course. sounds quite victorian oh brittle bones but um like this is actually yeah, yeah. so serious for people that it, is it actually classed as a disability then? yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe so i mean um you see how it can affect people have a more serious version of it and it, it's it's completely um yeah, I don't necessarily say debilitating because there's probably someone out there who's doing like twice the stuff I am with like a much worse condition. But you know, it it, it can affect your life. If 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 someone um like using that example earlier, the, the kid that was uh, in the same world as me who had a, a more severe version, if shaking your hand can like pretty much break your arm, then like how how is that not gonna like affect your life? You know, in in, in terms of you know, walking down the street, if you fall over, that could be it, you know, like so yeah. um yeah I, I i definitely class it as 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 a pretty serious disability yeah so what kind of things um what kind of things did you have to do to keep yourself safe for want of a better phrase like when you were a kid did you go to a special school did you have home teaching did you just not I, want to go out and mix with other kids or what that last one for sure um Mm. So it's a bit of a weird one because like having a disability from or like having any kind of medical condition or anything um, from a really young age, it, it kind of changes how your life experience is to the people around, you know, because um, obviously all these other kids, they've had like a very normal kind of thing where they've just grown up and gone to school and stuff like that. Um, but then when you're in and out and you're taking like months off at time, you're getting this sorted or that sorted or you know, you're constantly worried about breaking something, it, it, it's going to mean that your ability to kind of like relate to the people around you can sometimes suffer from it. So um, there was a point where I just didn't really want to go out or do anything or see anyone because I felt that, I mean, I, I still did have friends. I don't want to sound like I was just sitting there on my own, but 
it was quite a, like a tight group. Um, I, I guess it always has been, to be fair. Um, but so the fact that you were yeah. constantly in and out of school, it's not only the impact that this condition is having on you physically; it's having you an impact on your ability to uh create those social structures and things that people do when they're at school exactly that so it's it it can impact you like socially uh i think i think a lot of it is like the toll it can take mentally as well because obviously Mm. for a kid some of the stuff you go through um can be quite uh quite traumatizing really um uh when it's like doctor's surgery and you know constantly like worried if i break this i'm going to be back in i'm going to be in another cast and then um so it, it made me like uh t- to a certain point like quite quite well feel quite reclusive i, I was really lucky because yeah. i have like my mum and dad are great so they were always really good at like getting me out and actually making me do things and like taking me places and stuff and that that really helped i think if they weren't so like get up and go and do things uh then um, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing at the moment. Um, so, yeah, that was that was like really important just to be able to actually get out and kind of uh, experience the world because I was so worried otherwise about you know oh, I'm going to fall over, I'm going to break something, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do yeah. that, and 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 you know having that constant anxiety about if I do trip over, then that's going to be a couple of months in hospital and it's going to be like you know all, all the like pain and stuff starting. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that is completely surprising about hearing this, because you and I haven't had this discussion um, at all, is that you're a pretty no-holds-barred, fearless, all-in individual. So it's quite... <laughs> uh, I've it's got quite I'm not, I'm not give off, but I'm not sure how, how to do it. It's, it's just... Uh, really training is is kind of what got me there like getting into training um so when I got to high school I was still in that mindset where I didn't really want to go out or do stuff Mm -hmm. and like and if I was going out I was getting kind of like you know sort of forced out a little bit um and then I met a guy called Martin Smitty who was like um the gym teacher at my high school and he really like helped get me into training and Mm -hmm. like kind of gave me the kick up the arse that I needed to actually start doing stuff and really putting effort into developing on that side. And, you know, I'd be staying behind after school training and, you know, <laughs> to get my legs working, we were doing these like really stupid walks around the gym to try and get some more like leg activation. Okay. Um, so it, it became like almost like a, a daily thing. Like after after school, I'd just be training or, or trying to um, do something physical and it really helped make me feel a lot more confident I noticed as well the, the more physically fit I was getting and like the um like the more my muscles were developing the the less uh, injuries I was, that, that was sort of occurring as part of it okay because um, I guess as well if you've got some kind of protection there around the bone it, mm-hmm. be it muscle or fat or anything like that at least there's something to kind of cushion it maybe um or you're in a better position to be able to you know stop yourself from falling um yeah you know and kind of like um generate a little bit more stability in your structure so you don't have to worry so much about just collapsing um I guess that's a major lesson for anyone really isn't it you know the 
it really is the essence of any fitness that we're doing being functional you know this is the perfect example of it that you needed to be fit to be able to function yeah yeah of, of, of course and i think sometimes when people say like functional fitness it's almost like as, as a buzzword but, yeah yeah and it's like everyone like well anything's functional it just depends on what you want out of it right because like some of the stuff i was doing like those like silly walks and stuff probably weren't very functional for someone but for me that's kind of what i needed to get that engagement through my legs and learn how to like build a little bit of more of a stable base mm-hmm. and um it, i think it comes down to what you need out of it but for me that was exactly what i needed at the time to kind of kick start my journey into actually doing a lot more with uh, with fitness really and yeah. um thanks for what you said earlier about me being <laughs> fearless but again it's just it, it teaches you to i think through training teaches you to like overcome those like barriers that you do have mm-hmm. um um helps teach you to kind of overcome those obstacles that you face um because same in the gym you know if you're trying to get like a certain like uh when you deadlift or something like that and you're really struggling and you keep working it working it working it and then eventually you get there it can teach you that well no it like these barriers can be overcome you just need to put in the time and then Mm. no pun intended but the legwork to try and uh, <laughs> try, try and get to to to, to, to that, that that goal um and yeah I, I think a key point is just just kind of setting something that's also quite reasonable and making sure that you're not going you know you're not doing stuff that's like way beyond your actual level of ability you're doing things that are going to test you and build you without completely um you know smashing you to pieces really yeah yeah and I mean we'll come back to the things that you do you actually do in terms of your own fitness um towards the end of the the thing but just in brief like Gary's a pretty mean martial artist um and trains with Gamma Leeds now don't you that's it yeah Steve got on it uh got on an academy of martial arts so Gamma in Leeds um yeah. can go in there um, I think it's almost a decade. Um, Is it? Almost, okay. I believe. Yeah, maybe about eight, nine years, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it if anyone's in the Leeds area, definitely give it a show. Um, mm. The thing that kind of got me into it really was the fact that um, Steve didn't really treat me as disabled. He kind of gave right. me as much shit as everyone else. Right. <laughs> like, not actually pushing myself or not not trying when I, I it was something I probably could have done, but I was kind of like, you know, oh, I'm disabled. I don't have to do uh-huh. stuff. Which I, I think sometimes can happen in your head because you're so used to people being very nice about everything and being very no, no, you don't need to try hard. Oh no, don't worry about it. But oh, you just do this like delicate okay. down version. So getting someone to kind of kick me up the arse and make me actually apply no my excuses you're was, doing uh, this yeah it was it was it was, was a really big help and um not to get too sidetracked I know we were saying we were going to talk about the training later but um yeah so he's been really influential on like pretty much everything I'm yeah. doing with my training and also really helpful in actually getting me to um get back to like standing and walking and stuff like that so big shout right. out to Steve. Yeah, because I remember when we did have our little jolly day out with Ross. Um, we both yeah, got a chance we, to yeah. we both got a chance to have a little mooch around this gym, and I remember coming coming back to where the um, 
boxing area was. And you were just sat on a fitness ball, punching the hell out of one of the bags. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I thought somebody else had joined us in the gym because I could just hear this boom, 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 boom. And it was you sat quite comfortably on this fitness ball, just punching the shit out of a bag. So, you know, that's where the attitude comes from then, is it? From Steve and his... Um, yeah, and I the whole... Um... We normally call it like the Gamma Fama, so the kind of like group that's down there. But the um, yeah, the, the whole whole team really, and like uh, I've made some like really good good friends from it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that whole sort of like um, group, it's been really influential on like my own training, and it's just been really good to be in an environment where you're not kind of seen as like oh you're disabled, so you get the super easy version of everything and like people kind of talk down to you and don't really expect much like um being on the instructor team there as well it's like it's not only expected that you you you, you you're competent or something it's expected that you're actually obviously good at <laughs> everything you're supposed to you know that, that, we, that we train in um yeah so to be expected to kind of go to that higher level um is it, it, it's really good because it means that you do have to push yourself a little bit harder you do have to try a bit harder and really like put the uh put the work into it rather than just kind of like oh i've got this ability i'm just gonna sit here and like Mm -hmm. a little bit and and not really get super involved so that's that's one of the the good things about it really yeah well that's really i mean that really this is this is what we we were going to discuss isn't it really this um this word ableism that um, it's a word that's become more prevalent in recent years as, as the general public have started to understand the impact of kind of institutionalized practices and processes and environments on the many, many people in this world who don't fit into that rather annoying term um, of being normal. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like going to the gym, going to school, going to work, even getting on a bus or whatever, whether it's, um, say it's somebody who's even dyslexic might have problems reading things or people who are blind need Braille or people who've got access issues. There's constant obstacles that people who don't fit what's probably a minority of the population normal, like who's normal. Um, So that was really what we were going to discuss but just for the listeners like a brief google search led me to this um paragraph to to explain what ableism is um it's the discrimination of and social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior At its heart, ableism is rooted in the assumption that disabled people require fixing, in the quote marks, and defines people by their disability. So this is exactly what you just said. Like when you walked into um, Steve's studio, he's not done that at all. He's just treated you like another person that was there. Yeah, exactly the same as any other student, which is really... um... Like say refreshing and and it's frank. I've had a lot of really good like martial arts instructors that have been very much the same. Um, it's just unfortunate. The, my very first thing with martial arts when I was first looking at getting into it when I was like uh, a lot younger, 
I was looking around and um, there was like a karate gym or something like that. And my mum was like, again, I was, I was a kid at the time, so they're like, oh, can, can you come down? And like, again, it wouldn't have been anything that was requiring impact, so I don't really see the problem, you know, even with bones were brittle, if we're just doing like cat or whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, she, she inquired and basically got told like, no, like it's can't, can't do it, can't have someone with a disability in, in the class. Um, so yeah, that was like uh, kind of a bit of a blow. Um, but that being said, I'm really glad because like what I'm doing now, I think is probably a lot better than what I would have been doing if I was just sitting there punching the air for like my whole life. <laughs> well, yeah, substantially. Um, and I mean, I guess when you're a kid, like you said, you're kind of wrapped up in that huge emotional roller coaster of everything that you were going through with your hospital visits and stuff. But as an adult, as being a little more experienced of the world, what kind of things do you notice people in your position facing uh, like in everyday life in terms of accessibility in all sorts of ways what what kind of stuff do you have to face you're a wheelchair user um you know just just talk to us through through like different situations I, maybe that you've been in yeah I mean I, I think it honestly it comes down to like uh, there's a lot of different things right so you could have it where there's a uh, like a, a transport issue or like an actual like structural thing, like a building that has steps and no ramp and no lift. Okay, so that that does create an issue there. If or let's say you don't have a curb that's dropped, so like sometimes depending on where it is, it can be quite difficult to get like up and down in the chair if there's no. Um, actual, so sometimes you can't even cross the road. Yeah, or you have to like go down the road, cross over, mm. and then, and that, there are some people like <laughs> that might just be me more than other folks because I've seen some people do crazy stuff in chairs where they can just bounce off one curve and up onto another. <laughs> but for myself, I, <laughs> I've never been that much of a daredevil, so I was like, I'm, I'm never going to be jumping off curbs or anything. But you surprise me. Yeah, well, you know, it's just <laughs> part of me is like, I knowing what I'm like. Being, sometimes a little bit clumsy I'd probably <laughs> end up like going 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 uh, go, going off them so um yeah <laughs> it was um so that, that that can be an issue there if there's like no drop curbs or anything I mean again for myself for people with like uh, a, a more severe disability if you let's say if you require like a, a, an electric chair obviously you're not going to be throwing that off off curbs at any point so um you know, finding like a drop curb or something like that can be quite difficult. Or let's say just like the pavement again, if it's really like bumpy and kind of like jagged and stuff like that, sometimes it's really awkward to be able to navigate um, properly. Or a um, good example is if I ever go to like York or somewhere, there's like cobbles everywhere, yeah. which in my new chair, to be fair, isn't as much of a problem because it's got like its own little suspension thing. But with like my old chair, um, I really struggled. Uh, to get around uh, right. so it's not like I, I couldn't but it was it was definitely like a bit of a task and then you just got again basic facility issues like uh, stable toilets being used for like storage rooms and stuff like that places just not really bothering um, or let's say they'll have one but they've just clearly like it's not been used 
since like 1987 and it's like falling <laughs> apart <laughs> and there's no like support rails or anything like that and again the point I'm at now I don't really need that or all the facility as much but there's a lot of people there that do and it's kind of just it's almost like a checklist like cool we have a disabled toilet that's fine or we have this that's fine mm-hmm. um like you get places that say like okay we have disabled access we have a ramp and then you get there and the, the ramp's like that and it's like mm. how do you actually expect anyone to be able to get up that like it, it it's it's not practical yeah um, yeah and again I, that's speaking of someone in in the uk where in the access is actually pretty good compared to other places i've been i mean um trying to get around uh Budapest in a, a wheelchair was uh, interesting, to say the least. Okay. Um, so, because um, there it was like, there was very, very little access. Or when I was in like uh, like Prague or uh, certain parts of Japan, it, 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 the access just becomes like n- non-existent. And again, I'm fortunate that I, I, I am able to get out the chair uh, to a certain point and I have full control over my body for the most part. So, okay. uh, you know, apart from those issues I mentioned with my, my right leg, yeah, yeah. numb sometimes. Um, but if if I was had a, a more severe condition or had any kind of like paralysis or anything like that, it, it'd be really difficult to get around these places. And mm. it's just not seen as an issue because like, um, you know, it's not how I guess 99% of people actually live their lives. Uh, you know, yeah, saying that, I think it'd be really interesting. And maybe somebody listening can clarify this. It probably should have been something I looked at. But like, I often wonder if we actually looked at the different issues that, that people face, whether it's a condition like you've got or something worse or even something a little more minimal. I mean, like we've already said, when I had my uh, knee up, that was how you and I met. And even just then in a temporary situation, I was having a real issue with things. Like I couldn't bend my my legs. I couldn't use my knees properly. Um, Trying to go to a yoga studio up two flights of stairs where there was no lift. It was like, what am I gonna do? Trying to get into a taxi because I couldn't faff around with the bus. So even something like that, that's temporary, it completely readjusts your entire way of life. And it just means that there are probably, (laughs) probably a lot of society are facing these things. And I think the fact that disabled people and disabilities are seen as something unusual is, um, I imagine, quite wrong these days, because not everybody is fully ably bodied all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? But, like, statistically, obviously, there, there are less wheelchair users than there are people walking yeah. around. But also, that being said, like, um, you know, any one of us at any point could quite easily become disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, I mean, touch wood, but if someone's crossing the road and then they get hit by a... Um, you know, a car or something like that. And that, you know, it's happened to, uh, you know, people. Um, and then that's it. You know, you're a wheelchair user now. Um, mm. Or, you know, you fall and you end up, like, hurt your back and that's it, you're paralyzed. And then, then then you're living in a world that's no longer designed for you. It's designed for a kind of person you used to be or for someone with a yeah. different set of mobility issues. 
Uh, yeah, that's the thing, mobility, isn't it? I guess this is the thing that notches it up, um, really, is people with mobility issues. They might not actually be classed as disabled. They might not actually use a wheelchair. But I think there's possibly a lot of people who have mobility issues or disabilities that are maybe a little more hidden, like sight issues or hearing issues and things like that. And it's interesting that you said that we're very lucky in the UK that these things are taken care of and in other countries they're not. Um, yeah, because it's, yeah. it's some, sometimes the solutions are fairly simple, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say um, taken care of. There's still a lot of issues, but it, mm. it's more the fact that they actually there is at least some um like so there is normally at least something you can do whereas in certain places i've been in like i say you just wouldn't have a chance if, if it was like a if you had a severe mobility issue um but then you know it, it comes down to like what is actually feasible because as much as it would be excellent to have a place that is completely like accessible for everyone and we can get around everywhere and it's perfect for people with like, you mentioned people with like poor sight and stuff like that, or people with any number of issues. It is how feasible is it that anywhere is actually going to be able to do that? You know, mm. you can definitely make improvements. And I think especially with like any kind of like modern building that there's not really an excuse for it not to have those facilities. Yeah. Um, but then you look at certain parts of, of, of the, the world or certain certain places and like how how are you going to make that accessible and how are you mm. going to make that easier for the people who do have who, who do have any any number of issues really yeah um, and a lot of places I mean I'm in Copenhagen at the moment and there's a lot of old buildings like you said you were in Budapest I guess this the restrictions of those buildings and from years ago you know, anybody that was disabled would just be on a horse or on a cart or something, you know, when the horse could take them off to these places and the buildings didn't actually facilitate anything, but transport wasn't a problem. They'd get on a horse. And uh, now we've got people with all these newfangled kind of ways of mobilizing themselves in electric wheelchairs. And um, like you said, they don't work over cobbles, do they? Yeah, or, or anything <laughs> like that. So it's it awkward, but then also like, and I, th I think not not to um sort of like torpedo my own argument but also there's there, there, i guess there's a valid um point there of saying like well if you if we did do this so let's say you went to prague and then you made it completely accessible in every single way possible like do you reckon that would start affecting the actual like the city itself and kind of make it become very generic and homogenized if, if mm. everything looked the exact way like okay we're going to take out all the cobbles we're going to put paved roads and stuff in the way and you know everything's going to be like perfectly accessible when a lot, a lot of the actual buildings themselves just don't don't lend themselves to it i i, I think the, the real best solution is um instead of looking at ways to completely change the landscape of every city that, that you're in is, is to look at improving ways of helping disabled people actually um get around so you know um like there are people that are looking at like frames that go around the legs to help people with like a paralysis like walk and stuff like that i know it's a little bit like sci-fi but oh, I, I always okay, thought yeah. that, that that would be a better solution for people to yeah. help them just improve their own mobility 
rather yeah. than trying to completely change a cityscape to to, to fit that because it, again it's it, it'd be it'd be great for, for the people who need it it'd be perfect and it completely change their lives so i totally understand but also it, it's going to completely change the way the city works and no i don't see any government spending that much money to make uh-huh. everything perfect for people with disabilities um yeah so I, I think that the best thing you can do is start improving the tools that we use to mm. mobilize ourselves, like uh, improvements so people get better wheelchairs that they can do these kind of things that they need. And there's more money invested into actually developing the technology to, to help people with the issues rather than necessarily okay. put ramps and elevators everywhere. Yeah, that's, a, that's an incredibly interesting way of putting it because we always kind of project and go I faced an obstacle and that obstacle needs to change to suit me whereas I guess your solution is actually going to help the individuals in every single situation and give them a sense of superpower um so if you could have some kind of I guess it's in the world of prosthetics, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, some... like, I, I'm so, so I, I probably should be better educated on that stuff than I am. So I'm definitely not the right person to speak to about it. But I, I just feel like, like, the more, the more, you, and it, it's kind of my philosophy when I'm, I'm training people as well. But the more you can increase someone's mobility, the more options mm. you give them. Yeah. Um, so if you can find a way to help people become more mobile, or at yeah. least, um, you know just seeing what, what, what solutions that you can find to just help them. Well, it's kind of like teaching man to fish, right? Like, uh, I know uh-huh. it's a bit old hat, but like, it, it, it does come down to that. If you can help someone become more mobile, more, more capable within themselves, then you don't really have to rely on every single place you go being perfectly set up. Yeah. Um, that's but, that's that's it, yeah, that, really, isn't it? My, my if we put all like, our effort yeah. into making people more capable themselves, they could end up doing exactly what they wanted when they wanted. Really, that's yeah, a really exactly. interesting I, way. I, of looking sometimes at it. it's a it's a technology issue. Obviously, like sometimes people need mm-hmm. certain things to be able to help them, certain you know tools for their mobility, and certain things to help them. And then I think in other cases, people um, just need to kind of maybe look at. The solutions they have like when um when, when i was in in kyoto um there was this like temple like a bunch of steps that one say and um i was like well cool i've come all this way like <laughs> there's like i couldn't see any kind of like access so i was like i'm just gonna grab my chair and i'm gonna drag myself up to the top with so, your chair yeah yeah so uh, i i grabbed the chair in one hand and then like <laughs> Like basically like scooted my way up and yeah okay it's probably not like the, the classiest way to get around like scrambling on your hands and knees um but i got there and i got to got to like check it out it, it, it was really cool slight hitch that turns out they did actually have a ramp at the back but i didn't know oh, right. it was like a giant like 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 ramp up the side that no that, okay. like, they, they haven't told us about so that was my bad okay. but still had there not been that ramp there, I was quite happy to to sort of to like take yourself off. Just, Which brings me back to my yeah. point of you of saying that you were relatively fearless. It's like <laughs> I want to go there, so I'm just gonna go. 
But yeah, also the point of like there was a facility there and there was no signage around it. So well, I think I think it probably was. It might have been signed, but um, I'm not very good with my Japanese, so I, I had no idea. Oh well, yeah, um, exactly. So yeah. When, when we got up there, it's just like, oh, oh yeah, no, there is a um, there's a there, yeah. there, there is a ramp, but I just didn't know it was there. Um, yeah. But again, it came back to that thing when I was saying it earlier about the, looking at how steep it was. I honestly think the stairs are probably the easier option for me <laughs> because like I, I'd have been tipping over or uh, coming down like a missile if I'd tried mm. to push up and up and down it I think but yeah it, <laughs> so if you can increase someone's mobility and give them the ability to, to do things like that through um my method which is you know obviously training that I do or through you know any kind of like um technology prosthetics anything like that I, I think that's a lot better than just kind of expecting that everywhere gets changed. It's a bit more realistic, I, I feel, than expecting everywhere is going to change just to adapt to the needs of of, of, of people with um, disabilities. Yeah, I really like that perspective, Gary. That's a really interesting way of putting it, I think. And, and it really, for me, it really surmises your attitude that, um, you know, you just you've got to have a solution based way of thinking. What can I do to get there rather than having that passive sort of um, attitude of being, oh, I'm just going to sit here and I can't participate in the class because of this. And I couldn't maybe do that because I need to take the easy option. And I mean, whilst, you know, there is a lot of discrimination and prejudice in the world, um, there's a lot of institutionalized um, attitudes that we need to get over. I think we also need to um, empower people in the way that you've said as well, which is like you said about being at your training classes with Steve, um, a lot that comes around language. And I guess this is the next layer of of what I wanted to talk about, like the language that you have been faced when you've gone into training has empowered you to think that you are as capable as anybody else in that room with Steve. Um, and there's a lot of cases that we face in the fitness world, as we said before we hit record, um, about people feeling like they're incapable because of the language that they've faced. And um, I know one thing I always come across as a yoga teacher is people always saying, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. And it's kind of like, mm, that's my job, though. And I've literally just said what our friend Ross did on one of his videos on Instagram, because people who won't go to a PT say the same thing. Oh, I'm not fit enough or I'm too big to, to have a PT. And that is your job as a personal trainer. So do you feel that like in the fitness world, there's a lot more of this ableist language and discrimination and prejudice against people because it kind of spreads beyond an obvious disability into people's general abilities and people feel that they've got stuff to live up to and an identity and a certain degree of capability in the fitness world. I think it's a weird thing um, and it, there's a few different facets to it but one of them is the fact that with the, uh, the training yeah there's certain things where like <sighs> 
I think there's kind of just a general like lack of maybe understanding or um, you know people having all these assumptions about the gym or, and what what getting fits about or even just the, the fact like a gym in, in general because you don't really need to go to one you can get fit doing other things um mm-hmm. you know it doesn't always have to be just pumping iron in the gym if you enjoy that then I think that's really valid and I think if you or if you'll get something from it that'll greatly improve your um your life your mobility and your you know your enjoyment of your life then by all means do it but it doesn't always have to be a gym and I think the the kind of culture around gyms can be quite uh I don't know, toxic sounds a bit trendy, but I, I think it can be um, quite hard for a, a beginner to, to kind of get into that without someone there to kind of like help like motivate them. Because you go in a place and they give you an induction and then, you know, everyone's just, you know, kind of there in the room with the equipment and there's not really any guidance on what you're doing or anything <laughs> like that. And it's just like, have at it and then you end up going on YouTube to look up videos on what you should be doing with the equipment and then it kind of spirals out there because there's so much terrible advice um, and that's know, why so people really do need a PT it's not about being strong or perfectly able in the first instance is it that's why people need to let go of all that ableist language that makes you think that you've got to be capable and you've got to be flexible and you've got to be beautiful and fit and have all the right muscles it's for you know normal people need to be able to access these things whether it's at a gym or or at a martial arts club or whatever yeah i think there's too much focus put on like the end the end result sometimes like people look Mm. at the end stage of a journey and then you look at you know you know if you know you're at the beginning of that stage you're like how how do i get to that like where's the you know where, where where does that translate where do i this like metamorphosis to become this this other person like it doesn't seem achievable to a lot of people so that kind of throws them off and then oh they they maybe train for the wrong reasons which i think is a big part of it i think sometimes people train because they want to look a certain way um rather and, and and that's not always for themselves if it is great if it if it's to try and appease society at large then why why bother you know what i mean if these people don't don't like you because the way you are right now like doing more to make these people happy isn't really going to change that like i i firmly believe you should train because it's something that enriches your life and makes you you know you get enjoyment from rather than trying to do it because you're told like no you need to go and do this and you need to go and do that and you need to it's just um yeah it's very very kind of a weird weird place but another thing that's the thing that's the ableist language isn't it you should do this because you need to be there yeah that's that kind of ableist language isn't it it's creating the discriminations i'd say also like one thing is that it doesn't always get addressed but the reverse of that so not necessarily that person's disabled while in a gym or that kind of thing or that language about like the person with a disability coming in to train I I think what you get quite a lot um, is disabled people being used as marketing tools (laughs) almost or as an advertisement Um, which is fine because like we all you know people get used to adverts for all, all sorts of things and I think if we're talking about like 
you know, the modern world and stuff like that, there should be more disabled people doing that kind of stuff. And that should be seen as like a normal thing. But I think sometimes people um, will post things about disabled people just to get clicks, likes and shares rather than because they actually believe that that's something that, you know, that, 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 that's positive. And if you try and share a story and try and motivate people, I, I can get that. But sometimes it kind of feels like, um, and I've been put in that position myself before where it feels like, I, I'm not going to get too into any any specific example, um, but just keep it sort of, a, it's like sometimes you'll, you'll go through a thing and it's clear that no one there actually really knows you or mm. has any knows anything about you hasn't really interacted with you in any way and has nothing to really talk to you about other than the fact you are disabled and it makes them feel good being like oh oh, look I'm helping the disabled (laughs) and it's like cool unusual person yeah it's it's like oh well if we put him in our, our thing or we bring him down then we'll get loads of clicks and likes and stuff like that because I, I'm, I'm that demographic and you know if, yeah. if a com- company's trying to do something or um you know a, a, a certain group or something like that it can it can make them look very on trend having mm. a disabled person there so there's nothing wrong with it if it's for the right reasons if you've got a disabled person down because they've genuinely done something quite exceptional or that they're, they're actually doing something that's fine but just to be like you know, here's here's the a disabled person as a piece of marketing is is kind of weird to me. Again, it might not be the same with every disabled person. Everyone obviously has their own opinions on this stuff, so I can't really speak for like a whole community based on my own ideas and experience. But that's just kind of my own thoughts on it, really. Yeah, you have such a pragmatic view on everything. You really do. <laughs> I like um, that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I mean. Yeah, like you said, every everybody's experiences are different. Um, and coming back to you, though, um, what have been the most sort of intense aspects of fitness training, of the different trainings that you've done, whether it's been, I mean, have you spent much time at the gym or have you always focused on martial arts? What have been your biggest kind of, things that you've done that you've faced. yeah I mean it, it's weird because like I I I got started just going going to the gym um just lifting weights and a lot of like uh, a lot of rowing and then kind of changed like rowing kind of, yeah rowing like quite a bit of rowing okay uh, in high school I did like quite a lot of uh, rowing um so I quite oh, just on a machine I wasn't like <laughs> racing Oxford you wouldn't go and get in the water like <laughs> <laughs> um but I think um, with my training, I kind of have, it sounds weird to an eclectic approach because fitness can get so tribal that like people will like die for the thing that they believe in training. So it's like people like, you know, they'll find one thing that, that they think is the best and then they'll be like, well, that's it. That's it. You know, I'm only doing this and everything else is ineffective or it won't work. And it, for me, I, I just, I really enjoy just like learning things and like, moving in different ways and experimenting with my training. So uh, over the years, I've, I've tried like uh, a number of different things and kind of like what I enjoy from different things, I'll keep. And then what I don't really enjoy so much or I don't really get as much benefit from, I, I don't really stick to as much. Um, so 
Yeah, it really depends. It's just like, it, it gets back to what I was saying earlier about finding what you enjoy in the fitness. So instead of like saying, well, I've got good kettlebells. I'm just going to do kettlebells forever now and never do anything else. It's like, well, I don't really want to limit the ways at which I'm allowed to move my body <laughs> and be yeah. like, I'm only allowed to move this many ways because this is what I've been told is is perfect. And this is the the way that I'm told that um, I, should, I, I should always be doing it. And it's like, obviously there are certain things that you need to be cautious of with anything like good form and core stability and things yeah. like that. And, but as long as you're doing something safely, I, I think it's just important to change that constantly and constantly keep, looking at different things that you enjoy through training and seeing what you get benefits out of and what you don't and give mm. it enough time to actually see what you're getting out of it as well I think is, is the main thing so for me um like the current trip I'm on is like just doing loads of like uh mobility and like movement work and stuff right so like crawling patterns and things like that because it, it gives me a good break between my arms and my legs working you yeah, know if you're doing yeah. like a, a a bear crawl or something like that your legs are getting a workout but you've got your arms there to support yourself yeah so yeah it, you started you scrambling i saw some photos of you on instagram you were scrambling in summer weren't you when you were going on hikes and you were doing hill scrambling yeah so because again getting back to that accessibility thing there's no way you can go up uh let's say like you can't go on a hike with a wheelchair yeah exactly or like if you can it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting, and there's probably certain bits you can't go to, but I'm kind of stubborn. So if I want to go to a certain bit, I'm really like, you're stubborn, oh, really. Well, we like, just, a, just that. pinch, just pinch. <laughs> um, so if, if there's somewhere I want to go, I, I'll, um, I definitely get that from my mum. By the way, she's she's like the most stubborn person I've ever met. So it's like, shout if you've out got to mum. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So she she says she's going somewhere, then yeah, she she does it. So it it, it kind of comes from that, but with um like uh again like on the where was it there that we sent a picture from i think it was like um we were going around temple newson uh, me and my friend right. and there was this bit where it just it started going really steep and mm. the chair just wasn't going to make it so i said to uh my mate steve like carry it up like carry the chair up and i'll just i'll just scramble the rest of the way the way up there so i just got down on, on my hands and knees and pretty much like just did my best attempted bear crawl to try yeah. and get to the uh, get get to the top. It's really fun actually. I really did enjoy it. I just uh, needed to remember to bring gloves the next time because the oh, right. gloves wasn't the best idea. Yeah, um, on rocky ground. Yeah, but it was it was fun. Like it, it it was really fun. And again, that kind of I think that sense of reclaiming your mobility, like mm -hmm. seeing a place that oh, you're not supposed to be able to make up there as someone in a wheelchair, and then you know through whichever means you know you do actually make it to the the, the top there it's yeah. it's really um it feels quite empowering to like conquer those things that people tell you, you shouldn't be able to do or you know those kind of perceived things that well you can't get up here because of the chair the chair won't make it or something like that yeah it uh, really is kind of thinking outside of the box isn't it and uh no, just like what, you what, said breaking those kind of psychological barriers that that weirdly very quickly come upon you when you've got um a physical problem shall we say yeah. um and like like we we we've touched on before when you and I have chatted on Instagram or whenever I have this condition in my back and like 
it really stops me from doing certain things in yoga practice physically so you know instagram yogis are all about backbends i can't backbend because of my spine but i know that 50 percent of that is my psychological limitations because kind of what you you said before about when you're a kid you were a kid and you were going to do stuff and you're a little scared of going there you're scared that you're going to hurt yourself and sometimes these things are like 50 50 physical um capabilities and the mental restrictions that you put on yourself i guess yeah no for sure i mean it's a 50 50 battle um but i I think there's so so much of it gets addressed as like a a physical thing rather than a mental thing so um like say if you've if you've got trouble with your back and you start doing back bends and there's going to be that little voice in your head constantly telling you oh you're going to hurt yourself or this is going to happen or that's going to happen it's going to be like eating away at you as you're trying to practice it uh, it's the same for me if I if I do a lot of like if I practice my walking there's a certain voice in the, my head that's constantly like you're gonna fall you're gonna break something you know and it's all gonna like kind of restart the whole sort of cycle of surgery and things like that um, but the more you practice it the kind of quieter that voice gets and the more like confidence you gain in yourself the more you can kind of o- overcome that negative side that's always telling you I mean sometimes as, as well it's, it's there for a really valid reason it's there because you know, we don't want to do serious injury to ourselves, which mm. makes total sense. But then there's a certain time where you need to like push push it a little bit and just see if there is any give there and if there's a way you can kind of progress past the point that you're at. Yeah, yeah, and just empower yourself, really. Um, and talking of empowerment, um, your latest venture, which isn't a venture up a hill, um it's your latest um business venture is that you're actually going out into this world of personal training on your own and after all of this wonderful pragmatic compassionate sensitive discussion around dealing with disabilities in an ableist world um it's really good that your personal training isn't for disabled people have you actually got any clients that are disabled or you know what it's it's, it's a funny thing you, you said because like um i've got a few that have certain limitations and again it'd be it'd be wrong of me to go into their issues yeah of course of course so i i, I can't really describe every, every, every every single person's issue but yeah so there, there are there are people that have different issues with um yeah c- certain things that obviously you know, they might not have any sort of sway over. Um, I won't necessarily say disabilities by any stretch, but definitely uh, issues there that, you know, they need some, uh, you know, that, that could be improved through through training. Um, yeah. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's ever not for the same people. It's definitely there for everyone. I just kind of, I really love doing, like, training and just being able to, actually be in that physical space and and kind of like move and help people do the same. And the most important thing for me, more than any kind of like, oh, well, we'll get you a six pack and we'll get you shredded and all this, all all this really like vapid bullshit. (laughs) Um, It is though, just say it is vapid bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Most important thing for me is that people genuinely enjoy what they're doing. And if if I can get people to do that, if I can get people to really thoroughly enjoy 
their training, then that's that's more important to me. Um, one of my best friends, uh, Stephen Jenkins, the guy I mentioned earlier, who was carrying my chair. He won't mind me mentioning this, I'm sure. But uh, when I met him, he was quite like a, a portly chap. Um, and we we started training, and um, bit by bit, he's got he's gotten really into it to the point where he's actually you know, wanting to really get quite seriously into tie boxing. He's been doing into clubs and he's looking at, you know, eventually building up to doing a, a doing a fight. And again, it's not, the physical stuff is a part of it. You know, we've been training, I've been giving him sessions and stuff like that. And he's also come down to Gamma and then, you know, um, he's really been putting his time into it physically. But it's the fact that now he actually enjoys doing this stuff that, that's yeah. made a big difference and seeing how much of a change it's made in him personally. It's really rewarding so when you get to kind of help start people on that path even if they don't stay with you and you know all the way until you know um you know for like decades and decades just being able to like help people get like enthusiastic about the training and get them excited about actually going and finding what they enjoy in it and and exploring mm-hmm. that makes it really um it makes it really rewarding that's kind of what what i'm in it for really so having a bunch of different things to draw from like I said with my training I kind of like to to vary up and train in different things without getting too fixed on just one one method um having a bunch of different things to draw on normally means that with that plethora of information you can find something there that they do enjoy from it um and then from that it helps build that enthusiasm to again go and try other things or really put effort into this one thing and get more um more fit and like mobile from from that really nice that's my and that really <laughs> was going to be that was really going to be my last question like what what do you enjoy the most about what you're sort of doing right now but you've just answered that and um I just had a I know you've got a slightly wry sense of humor but as we've been talking I had a really I had a really <laughs> good idea your um your name on Instagram is Kung Fu Frankenstein, which That's I will, of course, link everybody to that. Um, <laughs> and um, and um, I've just had these little visuals going around in my head as we've been talking. And, and this Kung Fu Frankenstein, I don't like the Frankenstein bit, but anyway, the Kung Fu bit. <laughs> you on that bouncy ball when we were in the gym and other videos that I've seen of you. And I just had a thought that you could be the world's first space hopper based superhero. <laughs> yeah that'd be good i'm not sure how uh, <laughs> maybe that's the maybe that's the mobility solution that we're looking for i've been talking about all this fancy stuff maybe maybe space hoppers over wheelchairs is the way to go because i mean the space <laughs> hopper over cobbles is going to fare better so maybe maybe that's what we need to be looking at we'll, we'll look at i'll i'll, I'll send oh you a message God. afterwards and we'll look at setting up our own business <laughs> Selling selling space hoppers for the disabled. Oh, mate. <laughs> but Brilliant. The reason, um, just in case anyone uh, is listening and wondering why is he doing it on a space hopper, the reason being that it's really helpful uh, for, like, if you're a little bit nervous about, like, using your legs or you feel like, you know, generating the stability there it is a little bit difficult. Um, it's a really good midpoint between using a really stable chair uh, and then using like uh, something a little bit more sort of instable like obviously working up to doing it from standing but getting that instability there getting you to activate uh, through your core and then use your legs to kind of like base out on as well 
so that's the whole thing with the, the, the space and also they are incredibly fun which is also <laughs> really important brilliant oh gary it's been so nice to speak to you um it's been really an absolute good... pleasure i really appreciate it thank you <laughs> really good to get some insights on your life really and just your perspective on stuff so um thank you to everyone who's been listening and I will of course as always link to everything that Gary does online and um maybe throw out some of his inspirational quotes over the social media um but yeah that was a lovely hour discussion and thank you so much for joining us Gary it was a pleasure thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> thanks and for everyone that's listening I will be back next month with another hopefully inspirational conversation for you I'm not entirely sure who it will be yet but we will see all will be revealed all right thanks for listening in see you soon right